This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, October 13th. Coming up, after fleeing the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, as many as 95,000 Afghan refugees will resettle in the United States, some in the Kansas City area. Many of them pulled off harrowing escapes and now face huge new challenges. Yes, my family is stuck back in Kabul. They are hiding. My two sisters, they are nurses in the hospital, but they cannot go to their job. And my brother, the one he's dealing with the threats of Taliban, he's hiding. He cannot go outside. Why one refugee was so anxious to settle in Missouri and how another's struggle to get out of Kabul almost cost the lives of his entire family. But first, some headlines. Tensions boiled over yesterday between a tenant advocacy group and Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas over a proposed housing trust fund. In August, activist group KC Tenants proposed an ordinance to create a People's Housing Trust Fund to redistribute money mostly from the police department to preserving and expanding affordable housing. Lucas then proposed a similar trust fund, which he plans to present to the city council. At City Hall yesterday, KC Tenants member Amara Khan criticized Lucas, saying his ordinance would give more money to developers and not invest in renters. We've been talking to I, you. I understand it. You and told you me you shuffle around our language. I don't need your language. Mm-hmm. I need a yes or no. The mayor said he disagreed with the group's funding source and wanted to include more housing organizations in the effort. Planned Parenthood says it's being unfairly targeted by new rules surrounding Medicaid funding in Missouri. The rules went into effect yesterday and require state inspectors of medical clinics to report violations to Medicaid auditors, which could lead to Planned Parenthood losing Medicaid dollars. Colleen McNichols, chief medical officer for Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region and Southwest Missouri, says the clinic in St. Louis is always prepared for inspections. It's the only abortion provider in the state. What may spark them to come more frequently or sooner than planned is that now they want they may want to reach this secondary goal of using the inspection to eliminate Planned Parenthood. Over 6,000 Planned Parenthood patients in Missouri last year used Medicaid. None of the funding pays for abortions unless in emergency situations. The group charged with approving memorials at the Kansas State House wants to add new ones commemorating the roles played by women and black men in two historical events. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service has more. One of the two memorials the Capitol Preservation Committee supports will be a statue or sculpture that honors Kansas women who helped lead the suffrage movement for voting rights. The other will commemorate the Civil War's first black regiment with a mural. Stationed at Fort Scott, the unit formed before the Emancipation Proclamation authorized the Union Army to recruit black soldiers. Kansas State Historical Society Director Jenny Chin chairs the Preservation Committee. From a historian's point of view, there's no question this is an important topic. Chin says it will probably take years to complete the projects because private donations will be needed to fund them. A stolen public exhibit has returned to the Spencer Museum of Art on the campus of the University of Kansas in Lawrence. The work, called Native Hosts by Edgar Heap of Birds, was vandalized and taken last month. Now all five panels are back on view. The signs include names of Native American tribes from the region now known as Kansas. Native faculty and students from KU and Haskell Indian Nations University will lead an event today at noon to celebrate the reinstallation of the artwork. Thank you. 
We'll be back after a message from our sponsors. UMB Private Wealth Management is a division of UMB Bank that tailors financial planning services to help you maximize your assets and protect your legacy. Everything we do starts with you because there is no one-size-fits-all financial planning strategy. Your UMB experience begins with us taking the time to get to know you and understand your financial goals. Then we customize a detailed yet flexible plan that helps you achieve them. At UMB, your story is always our focus. Learn more at umb.com slash wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. The collapse of the Afghan military this summer precipitated one of the largest airlifts in history. Many of the Afghan refugees settling in the U.S., including small children, endured shocking cruelty and faced harrowing escapes from their home country. KCUR's Frank Morris reports they now confront monumental challenges in the U.S., like extracting the rest of their families from Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. Just a heads up, this story contains graphic descriptions of sexual assaults and may not be suitable for young listeners. The Wilkins Farm, just south of Tiny Quarter, Missouri, about an hour from Kansas City, is a long way from Afghanistan. And that is exactly where Semzama Safi wants to be. It's completely dream for me. It's completely different for me. And I'm like a free bird now. I'm free and I have safety and I have peace. That peace and safety is recent. Safi got to the U.S. in August. After a decade-long struggle to emigrate, it started when a carload of Taliban fighters stopped her and her brother as they were walking home from school. The car pulled over in the side of the road, three, four guys with the Kalashnikovs and with the pistols, and they put the guns in our head. She was 15 at the time. Her brother was only 13. Eventually let her brother go. She was the real target because she was a smart, bookish girl advancing through the upper grades and worse, studying an infidel language. The kidnappers said her school days were over. Especially learning English, and I was telling them, like, this is something that you guys forced me not to go to school, but you cannot get it away from my mind. And they tortured me with saying that. They hit me badly, and I was like, well, I cannot stop saying this. And they, they hit me a lot. They drove her to a remote house in the mountains, and things got much worse. And then they put me in the basement, and lots of people coming in, and they raped me. And I was yelling, and then in the morning they came in again, and they were like trying to rape me again, and I was crying so hard. I was like, please leave me alone, and they didn't listen to me. By the third night, she was resisting forcefully. And then they say, like, if you don't let us to, to rape you, then we're going to make you to eat poop. And I was like, really, you call yourself that you are a Muslim, that you make me to eat poop? And then they said, yeah, and then they put guns in my head and make me to eat that. (sighs) Yeah. Safi got away on day four by vowing to marry a Taliban commander, but only if she could see her family first. Then soon after returning home, she went to work for the American military as a translator, 
on the promise that working with coalition forces would guarantee her passage to the United States. Safi says the Taliban put a bounty on her whole family. Then, eight years on, in 2020, her visa application had stalled, and Safi was in hiding. One of the Marines who worked with Safi wanted to help. He contacted Kyle Wilkins, who works for Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Wilkins got busy filling out forms and pulling strings. Then, as President Biden's deadline for pulling U.S. troops out of Afghanistan approached, Afghan national forces suddenly collapsed. We never think it will happen like this. It shocked everyone in Afghanistan. Kabul fall off and Taliban has the control. And every like there was so much crowd in the airport. Everybody was trying to escape from that situation. So nobody expected things? No, nobody, nobody expected that. It meant that what scant protection Safi had from execution was quickly falling away. On the day Taliban fighters took Kabul, she snuck past their checkpoints, made it to the airport with all her paperwork, and managed to board a plane out of the country. Oh, when the planes take off, I breathe a sigh of relief. I was happy. I was like, now I'm safe. Now I'm feeling safe. And then I took a picture and sent it to Kyle. Hey, I'm in the plane. <laughs> I, I couldn't control my happy tears. <laughs> but thousands were left behind in the chaos. Gunfire rang out earlier as crowds raced to catch a flight at the airport. Five of those people stuck in the airport were Bashir Kashefi, his wife and three small children. Kashefi had also been an interpreter for U.S. forces and emigrated to the U.S. in 2017. The family was visiting relatives when the country collapsed. He and his wife were holding green cards, their permanent U.S. residents. Two of his kids are U.S. citizens. Didn't matter. They couldn't get through the crowds massing each day at the airport. They almost died trying. A huge explosion happened. There was a, a firing, shooting, a screaming. People ran away, and I fell down to the ground. And most people, they walk on me. Eventually, one of Kashefi's California friends contacted Kyle Wilkins. By this point, news stories, including one on NPR, had made Wilkins a go-to guy for people trying to get loved ones out of Afghanistan. Kashefi says that Wilkins was able to make connections that allowed his family to get through the airport and onto a plane. He did a great job because he gave us a sense of power. I thought that someone is behind me. I could say that U.S. people, they do not leave us alone in Afghanistan. Kyle Wilkins is just happy to help. They want the same American dream that most of us got born into. You know, we don't really get a choice of where we're born. And, you know, they happen to be born in Afghanistan. And it's a, it's a tough spot for a lot of those people. Working with others in Cleaver's office, Wilkins has helped to evacuate 30 people. But now he's facing a much bigger challenge. The late nights aren't there anymore, but, you know, we still have a list of about 300 people. A list of 300 children, men and women looking to him for a way out of a desperate situation. And that includes Simzama Safi's family. Yes, my family is stuck back in Kabul. They're hiding. My two sisters, they are nurses in the hospital, but they cannot go to their job. And my brother, the one he's dealing with the threats of Taliban, he's hiding. He cannot go outside. 
As for Safi, she has settled in St. Louis, going to community college to polish up her English and planning to pursue a master's degree. Someday, she says she'll write a book about her experiences. Working so closely with so many refugees has changed Kyle Wilkins, too. He's more grateful than ever for his family and the life he's free to lead in the United States. But also more mindful of the fact that democracies can and do collapse and that that can happen shockingly fast. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news and to read Frank's story on refugees, you can visit kcur.org. If you get your news on the radio, you may have noticed our signal has been offline because of some transmitter issues. You can always listen on our website, on your smart speaker, or right here. Tomorrow, we'll hear how Kansas City arts and music venues survived the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.